Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Resource Room Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. And if you could, let's start off by sharing with the listeners who you are, what you teach, a little bit about yourself personally, so that they know who they're listening to today. Sure thing. Um, So I'm Christy English or Miss English. And um, I teach, um, well, this year it's, uh, I think this is what's happening in special education today. It's becoming a plethora of things. So what I do um, daily is I pull small groups um, for RTI. uh, And then I also am an inclusion teacher this year where I go into the general education classrooms uh, this year, it there's three classrooms. There's a third grade, a fourth grade, and a fifth grade. And I go in for about 45 minutes uh, into each room. Um, and so, and it's funny, each room is different. You know, there's a different type of environment in each room. So I'm doing a lot of that this year. I'm learning a lot um, from that. Uh, whereas last year, it was all just small group. I just, uh, it was a resource room. So I just uh, did RTI. Um, and I feel like a lot of districts are moving into the inclusion where the special ed teacher goes into the gen ed classroom and teaches with the gen ed teacher. But uh, so I do both of that this year. I agree. I think it kind of goes in waves or one district sees something and that's what they do. And so then somebody else copies that and then they're back to being in a resource room setting. It just kind of depends. And sometimes even I think it also depends on the principal, the relationships with the staff, things like that, as to would what would they push? So coming from doing both a resource room setting to now doing a little more of inclusion, what do you prefer? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think I prefer, prefer the resource room setting because uh, I love teaching at the student instructional level. Um, and our kids are two to three grade levels behind. Um, so it's, it's nice having them in a small group where for at least 30 to 60 minutes a day, they can get instruction on their level. Um, and then the rest of the day, everything is just so high up there for them. Um, at least, you know, like for that 30 to 60 minutes, they can you know, get, build their confidence, build their learning, um, really make it individual for them. So, um, so that's what I prefer, but I mean, inclusion is nice too. Um, however, I think we still probably have a long ways to go with inclusion in order to make it productive, uh, like the resource room setting. I agree 100%. I also think too, in a perfect world, we could have both of those things. Like there would literally be so much time in a day that we could do it all. 
and like they could be in the resource room without missing anything in the classroom, but it's just impossible. And so we really have to kind of choose, but there are pros and cons to both. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's uh, the, the best way would be if, you know, if uh, or people would think like, oh, okay, well, this special ed teacher can just pull a small group in the back and uh, of the room or, you know, or at a bean table or something. But it's hard because there's so much going on in a classroom that once a, another teacher starts talking in a classroom with another group of kids, that's just going to bring a lot more noise and distraction in the classroom. So it, it's not uh, ideal. So it's nice to take the kids away into, you know, your like your own room or out in the hallway or something like that just to minimize the distraction. I've heard that a lot. Actually, I was talking to another podcast guest a few days ago when I recorded and she was saying the same thing. She's like, I'm naturally loud. The Jenna teacher that I'm with just happens to be kind of, you know, a loud person and mm -hmm. you don't need to compete with each other or nobody's going to know what's going on. So it is hard. How much do you keep them in versus pull them out, pull them to the hallway? You know, it it's tough. And then yeah. on the flip side of that, I share my room. I feel so sorry for my, my teaching partner. She does fourth and fifth. And here I am so loud and animated. And I'll be like, oh, guys, let's Google a picture of that. If we're talking about a word that we don't know or whatever, yes. I'm like such a distraction. And then she whispers and, you know, she has this low voice and she's so respectful of me. And I, I don't always reciprocate that because like I'm in the moment. So it's just hard sharing a room, no matter who it is, whether it's another special ed teacher and you're in your resource room or a gen ed teacher, it really is like a fine line and a hard balance to, to find. You know, it's funny that you say that because I do share my room as well. Um, and what we do is, I guess the kids are now used to it because we've uh, shared this room for two years together um, with, with another special ed uh, slash inclusion teacher. Um, and what we do is when we pull a group and it's at the same time, um, she has, uh, two carpets, two big or two big area rugs, um, that she brought in. And I'm telling you, those rugs absorb a lot of sound. Oh, so if you good. have some nice clean rugs, um, I know people don't really like them, but if you're sharing a room and noise is a problem, rugs really absorb sound. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. For us sometimes, because really we have five adults in our room and we have five small group tables. And so it's almost better. I know this is going to sound crazy. It's almost better when we all have a group and it's all going versus like just me and then say Mrs. Jones, the other special ed teacher, because then it's like there's not a lot of background noise. Where uh -huh. at least when oh, there is a lot going on, then my big mouth is okay. Like it doesn't. <laughs> so it is kind of hard a little bit to to balance. And in gen ed, it's the same thing. Only maybe you'd have more background noise depending on what the other students who aren't in a group are doing. So how do you get your students, whether it be in the resource room with you or in the general education classroom, how do you get them to like learning and to stay motivated? Because that's hard for our kids when, as you said, sometimes they're two or three grade levels behind. Yes. So um, this I learned um, a lot of this year um, watching these general education teachers teach 
Uh, there's this one uh, teacher that I teach with who I think is great, uh, and his students love to learn. And um, this, it's not a secret. It's just what he does. What he does is a lot of we do. So, you know, um, a, a whole group lesson usually involves the I do, the we do, and the you do. Um, and the I do is when the teacher teaches directly to the student. Um, the we do is when we do it as a group. And then the you do is when the kids do it individually. Um, and I feel like a lot of times, especially these days, when we have to throw so much content at the kids, we don't have a lot of time. So the teacher basically goes from the I do to the you do. And um, the we do is skipped. Well, with this teacher, um, he does an excellent job with the we do. Uh, the we do is basically what the kids learn from. So, um, so for example, like he would be teaching, he was teaching a phonics lesson. Um, sorry, I'm just pulling this out of my head right now. You're fine. Um, <laughs> and um, so he was doing a phonics lesson and they were learning, um, so, uh, I think prefixes and suffixes or something, or how to um, depict them off of words. And he basically showed them um, how to do it. Uh, and then after showing them a couple of times, he had um, two to three kids come up and do an example themselves um, as the rest of the class watched. And, um, and that was just so powerful because it was awesome to see kids doing uh, the, the work in, in the moment. And then also you have a lot of those little uh, mistakes that can happen, those careless mistakes or the things that the teacher forgot to mention during the I do part. Um, and that comes up in that we do. Um, and the kids love it because they get to, they're engaged there. If they're up there doing it, then they are excited that they're up there in front of the class. And then if they're actually sitting, uh, watching the kid do it, then the kid, the, the kids who are up there doing it are going to make mistakes. They're going to, you know, um, and it's, and it kind of makes it okay. So then when it comes to the you do part, the kids are more confident in their work because they've already seen the teacher do it. And then they've seen their peers do it. And now they're doing it. So it's just, um, it's just, it really like that we do is a very powerful tool when it comes to getting kids motivated to learn. Definitely. I love that idea. And I was thinking when you first started talking about the, I do, and we go straight to sometimes you do, we skip that we do part. And yeah then we get frustrated when they don't know how to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, or, or it's like, Oh, come on, seriously, guys, I told you, you know, it's just, it's so natural to get a little frustrated with them. And so really you're slowing it down so much for them and giving them so many more examples. And even just those say two to three, we do's that your students are doing have to be so incredibly powerful just for the extra examples, the extra time that they can go through that process. And then highlighting those mistakes is even more valuable. So I think that's a great step to kind of insert into the, or not really insert, but make sure is a big focus instead of like, oh, we're short on time. I'm going to do it. Watch what I did. Now it's your turn. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of those questions that come up um, you know, that it, if you move from the I do to the you do, 
then they're, you know, it's like, oh, Miss So-and-so, I forgot, what do you do here? Or how do you do number two? Or what do you, what did you do here? That will all come up in the we do. So then when it's the you do turn, all those questions are answered and the kids can just do the work. <laughs> how do you or that classroom teacher, how do you guys choose who is a model for those we do's? And that is what I actually learned from this teacher as well, whoever raises their hand. And, um, and it's not, it can be, what's nice is in this type of environment, once the students understand that they're going to be called on or that it's okay to go up and make a mistake, once the students understand that it's okay to make a mistake, then they feel more confident to go up and do it. Um, so it just takes some time to get there. Uh, there is one student who does have stage fright and she does not want to go up there. And I think she's, so it's basically, she will stay back and that's okay. Cause it's just basically one student. Um, but in the beginning of the year, it was a little trickier, but as you do it, as you go through the routine, um, then, um, you'd be surprised at how much kids want to go there's more kids that want to go up because it's not like a presentation, you know, where you have to, you know, make your poster board and present to the class. It's basically just do what the teacher just did, you know, and that day, if you're, if you feel confident, like, oh, okay, that teacher just wrote that word. I know how to write that kind of a word. So I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to show the class. Like, you know, so you kind of, the kids know when they, when they want to go up and when they don't. I think that's great. And then really, in one subject, maybe in math, our kids can be the superstars. They could be the ones doing it. And nobody notices that they never raise their hand for a reading or for something that's more challenging. So I think that's great. Yeah. just I just, I forgot how powerful the we do can be. So it really is. And how it can easily be forgotten or maybe not yes. forgotten, but definitely made shorter. Like, okay, let's all do this one together. And then you're on your own. So yeah, I really love that. Um, one other thing that you and I were talking about before we hit record was how you feel a strength for you is showing your students what they're good at and showing them, you know, we all have weaknesses. Could you talk a little bit about what do you do to show your kids what they're good at? Uh, well, my kids uh, are always talking about, uh, well, what I try to ask them is what do you want to be when you grow up? Cause I'm just really curious Yeah, and they'll tell me and, um, and it changes and that's okay. But I, I try to incorporate that. So one of my students, um, wants to be a police officer when she grows up and I'm like, that's excellent. Uh, so if there's something that comes up in a lesson that involves, um, something with law enforcement, then I will connect that learning to her, you know? So it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, the, the police officer has to um, pay close attention to the dialogue of, you know, of the story. So yeah. here we have a dialogue, you know, so make sure since you want to be a police officer, you make sure you pay attention to this dialogue, because this is what you're going to have to deal with a lot, you know, yeah, so just little good. things like that, trying to connect it to them. Yeah. And also if they don't know what they want to be when they grow up or something, then if, then it's vice versa too. So it's like, uh, oh, well, no, hold on. What am I trying to say? Oh no. If, if a student, if I see a student doing something, 
that's really good. Um, for instance, there uh, was a student who really was talking about computers and how much he liked computers. And I said, you know what? You know what a good job would be for you is a computer engineer. Have you ever heard of something like that? You know, and um, and it's, you know, and a computer engineer is someone who blah, 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 blah. You know, so then next time we learn about computers or something comes up about engineering, um, I can go back to that student and I can just be like, do you remember when we talked about computer engineering, how when you wanted to, you know, like blah, 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 just kind of reference back to that. Um, so then it gets them involved and it gets their future involved and it opens doors to them um, for different opportunities, just things like that. So I really try to connect them and their future into the learning we're doing in the present. I think that's great. And then also too, even when things are challenging, then it can be like, you have a reason why we might work to improve that. Exactly. Which is, yeah. Which is even better, you know, gives you a purpose. Mm -hmm. Exact purpose. Exactly. It gives the learning purpose and how it's going to affect them. Exactly. Yeah. I felt like even for me, say in high school, I, I've known since I was in the first grade that I wanted to be a teacher. And so I always knew what I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to go to college because guess what? You can't be a teacher unless you go to college and things like that. It gave me a reason, even when it's like, oh my gosh, I do not want to do this Spanish homework or whatever it is. You know, I don't want to take this difficult class or I don't like this teacher or whatever. It's like, but none of that matters because I, I have to do it. Like this is just a stepping stone and giving them kind of that anchor, a purpose of what are they doing this for? Yeah, it's exactly. really be helpful. And a lot of times, you know, when I look on Facebook on these teacher, uh, teacher groups, a lot of times a question comes up of, um, if you weren't a teacher, uh, what would you be? Or, you know, or have, if you've gone, if you've worked in a field outside of teaching, what was it? Uh, and, and it's kind of like our students, it's kind of like giving them the, the different uh, options of what they can do when they grow up. Because, yeah. um, you know, because a lot of them, they just see, you know, what their parents do, or they just do the you know, just the basic common things you see in your society. But there are other things too, like computer engineering, right? Like you never are like a software engineer. So if there's something in the learning that comes up and they're looking at it or they like it, you can be like, hey, you know what? You know who does that? Who's really good at that? That what you're doing right now is someone called a blank. And then, um, and then connect it to that. So that opens a door for them right there. Yeah, even just being willing to like, spend time talking about things like that is good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that they can have exposure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so being a special education teacher is a lot of hat juggling and you've got paperwork and you've got to stay organized and that kind of thing. One question I've been asking all of my um, interviewees is how do you stay organized? <laughs> okay. Well, that has a lot to do with you. Um, how I stay organized is basically, um, I have to say, I love, I love, so this year I'm just doing literacy, my, um, which is nice too. My, my colleague and I who share a room and she's the special ed teacher, uh, when we found out we were going to be doing both inclusion and resource, uh, we basically decided, okay, well you do literacy and I'll do math. So we just kind of, th that's one thing that we did that, that, um, that, 
made things easier. So now I only have to focus on literacy and she just focuses on math. And, and what I, I love your, um, intervention, uh, books. So I think that saves me so much time already. It's just so much off my plate because I mean, I see a lot of groups a day, even though I'm in inclusion, I still see a bunch of different kids. And also, um, I am in contact with parents more than usual. So I also send those intervention packets home, uh, especially now that, you know, we've had, let's see, in the last, I think, oh, a week ago, we just, just like that, they um, made school virtual or just, you know, or homeschool um, for about four days, I think. So I'm just, so I'm just like, okay, here's the packet that we were going to work on um, this week. So you're going to take it home. You know what to do with it because we've been doing the same thing all year. The stories are harder, but I know you can do it. Uh, and so they take it home and they're learning at home with parents. And then also if parents are asking, um, for things to work on, it's nice because I can give them something on their instructional level and something that we do in class every day. So then when they go home, they have a resource that, that they can actually show their parents um, how to use because they're doing it in school. So it's really, and it's saved so much time because it's just, um, and also it's just so systematic. The directions stay the same with each packet. The only thing that right. changes is the content. <laughs> So, I mean, that is just huge. So that's a huge time saver for me. Well, good. I'm so glad to hear that because that literally was the goal whenever I started creating it was it's like every single week or every single night, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do for next week or tomorrow or whatever it is. And it's like, this is ridiculous. I'm like reinventing the wheel all the time. And I knew I wasn't alone in that. And you are honestly like probably the fourth or fifth person who's told me we went virtual like that. And I, you know, I was just able to send home the books and whether they were meeting on Google meet, whether the teachers were recording videos or, you know, whatever they were doing, maybe just completing the packet with a parent, they were still able to have material literally in the blink of an eye. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and it's great. It really, it, and what also I think a big thing about it is too, is that um, a lot of times our students progress um, at their own rate, which is usually a lot steadier and slower than, um, than let's say, um, than the general education classroom. Uh, and what I love about your intervention packets is that they have so much more content for example, like CVC words, right? You have an ent- you have so many weeks worth of, of decodables that are CVC uh, related. And whereas if I went to a different resource, it would just give me like, okay, here's a week on short A, a week on short O, you know, and all and all the vowels or A E I O U, you know, and you only have five weeks. Where my kids, they're going to need three weeks on short O you know, and, and three weeks on short A, and you already have that provide. And then they, they have a mix, you know, of, of CVC words and things like that. So, um, and I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's just, I don't have to 
look for resources because the resources are just right in front of me and the kids love it too. They really do. And it's Orton Gillingham based, which is, which is awesome. So I just, I really, um, the kids love coming to reading because they're so, they're successful. It's on their level and it's not too easy for them. And at the same time, it's not way over their head. It's something that they can conquer for the day and they love that. So and I love it too. <laughs> I'm so glad that like makes my heart happy right now. Honestly, I have a love hate relationship with the reading series because I've been working on it for like three years. <laughs> and so I literally like need those emails and need those conversations in my life to be like, okay, it is worth all this three years of work. And I have teacher friends who are helping me either write passages or put sight words or edit it, you know? So it's like, it's, it's hard sometimes, but I'm so glad because that is what it's meant for, you know? And too, like you were saying, you know, you might find something on TPT and it's, you know, short A, short I, short U, short whatever. And you have like a week, there's five weeks, but then what do you do? Do you recycle those materials and do them again? The kids don't want to read the same things or do the same activities again. Mm -hmm. They need, but they're not they haven't mastered it after five weeks. So it is. Yeah. And, and what I hate about it too, is a lot of times I'll get like a good resource and I'll use it, but then I'll just forget about it, you know, yeah. or I forget, or there's so much paper or whatever that it's just, um, it's, it's hard. And you can, and then you, you store it somewhere and you're like, now, where did I store this? Yes. So yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and that I think is all I, yeah. And that's the part where it's, um, difficult for me to organize, I think. It's uh, just putting all those materials together and sorting them. And um, so with your reading series, it's just, it's very uh, systematic and, and structured and it, it's, it's great. I love it. How do you store it? Because it is a lot of pages, but mm -hmm. the week to week is simple. So like for me, I put mine in binders. What do you do to organize maybe the colors or what you're going to mm -hmm. do with each group? Well, see, I've, from, so I've used it now for about, uh, so this is my second year using it. Um, I've gotten familiar with the stories um, and I've familiarized myself with my students as well and what they know. So I kind of already know where to start. So if I, if I, yeah. if I have a new student, for example, and they, um, and I tested them, um, I usually use the core phonics survey uh, to test where they're at. Um, and let's say that they are on blends, uh, beginning uh -huh. blends. I'll know exactly like in my head, you know, where to go. Or, I mean, it's written also, you have it written in the, in the series, but I'll know exactly what story to go to, um, yeah. and what week and start with that student. And I don't, I, I don't print the, um, your, uh, I don't print them out. I, I leave them on my, I have them saved on my computer and then um, for that week, because I usually meet with about six kids in a group, so I'll just print the six packets. And if there's anything that we, let's say, uh, don't get time to do or we have to skip or something like that, which which happens, we'll just put a, a big X on it while we're in the process of, of doing it. So let's say we read a story, we answer the questions, but we don't have time to do the... Um, you know, the, the, on the next the page. The, the or, yeah. 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 So we'll just put a, an X on it and move on. And that's how 
I do it. So it saves me a lot of time by not print, you know, I mean, I just have it on the computer. So, and I'll just hit, you know, print pages 28 to 38 and that's it. Yeah. Good, <laughs> so. good. I have recently with those skipped sections, I have been putting a star on my book. And then if we have time on like, say Friday or something, then we go oh, back yeah. and do all the stars. Because oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It, at our school, so every other week, they take a reading test. So on the off week, it's like, then we have Friday where it's kind of like built in for a test, but they don't need to take a test. So then we go back and do all of the stars that we just didn't get time for. Oh, that, and they love the sticker. That's a great idea because they love stickers and they'll love, and so instead of putting an X, putting a star, it'll kind of motivate them like, Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's good. I got a lot of stickers, so I like that idea. Yeah, so it, it is nice. And then, you know, some weeks it's Friday and we had to take a reading test or maybe I missed that group on Thursday because I had a meeting or something. And so there are no stars. We literally need to do day four because that's where we are. But I always try to get in the habit. I just started that this year because I'm like, I feel like we're missing some of these pieces like, or even... Also, at the beginning of the year, I had a couple of students with behaviors. And so it's like, I, that was just slowing me down. I couldn't do what I wanted to do or my whole routine because I'm dealing with a behavior. Then once we get finally settled, it's like, oh, well, we have 15 minutes. What is the bare minimum that we could do? And so that was, it was like, especially on Tuesday or day two, they want to draw. And that was what got, it's like, okay, we'll come back to drawing as long as we have time. So um, that's good. Yeah. And also what I do with one group who, are, and they are just, the multi-step directions for them have been really challenging this year. Um, and what I did with this group was different. And I'm glad I did it was I took, um, I started off with IC, you know, like the, uh, the first uh, packet in, in your series. Uh -huh. And what I did was I just did the stories first. So I did one story per day uh -huh. because it took so long <laughs> to get them to, um, to just follow the directions. So for the first four days, what we did was just one story per day. Um, and then the following week we did the writing portion of it. So then um, the third week, I started um, the week two packet, and I did the story and the, um, the write. I call it the story part and the writing part. So yeah. the story part and the writing part, and then it went a lot faster. But, um, but yeah, so, um, so that's what has really helped with this group was because I did one story um, consecutively every day, it just now they know what to do when it comes to that uh, page. So that helped too. That's good. It does get faster the longer it you're does. doing it, the longer your kids have been at it. Some of mine now have been doing it for like two and a half years. So they know the drill. So mm -hmm. that's good. That helps. Yes, definitely. So earlier you were talking a lot about pushing in and inclusion and things like that. How do you communicate with gen ed teachers and administrators and things like that? Obviously, communication is a big part of what we do. What tips or ideas, strategies do you use that you could share with listeners? Yeah, that's excellent. Um, well, first of all, I have to say, I, 
I'm happy that this year I've had um, three different classrooms that I go into because it made me realize that each classroom is different and you are going to have a different relationship with each teacher. So if something is not going well, it's not you and yeah. it's not the other teacher, it's your communication. So something has to be figured out there. Um, and a lot of times it's not going to get solved right away. Um, and that's okay too. So just stay, you know, if, if all else fails, just try to stay as professional as possible, especially in front of the students. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing, nothing bad has happened with me, but, um, luckily knock on wood, but I can see how things can be very frustrating with, um, with professionals that work together. Um, but, uh, with one teacher, uh, we, what we do is, in one classroom is um, we do something where I teach the first part of the, of the lesson, um, and then she will teach the second part of the lesson. Uh, and that's just kind of how we, we, we worked with each other last year, and we have a good connection, so, uh, so we can just basically do that. And we can do that on the fly, which is great. So I, I could not do that with the other two because I don't know them that well. But with that teacher, I can. And it's awesome. We just know what we uh, she knows what she likes to teach. I know what I like to teach. And we just kind of take it from there. Um, and we can do that for the uh, next teacher. Uh, what we like what we like to do is she'll just teach the whole group lesson part and then when it's time um, for the kids to work on their own, then um, then I'll just pull some kids to work with me. Um, and um, so that's how I do it in that room. And I also do a lot of her accommodations and modifications. Uh, so when it's test taking time, I do all of that for her and that helps her a lot. Um, so, so that works well there. And then the third uh, room, uh, and this is the teacher that does a lot of the, the we do. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time to get together and plan and things like that because our schedules are so crazy. We have no planning period uh, together that we looked at our calendars and we're just like, I, I can't meet with you if you need to, you know, at any point yeah. of the day. <laughs> so, um, so basically, I'm kind of in there to... And, what I do, and he's great with it, is if I see that he's doing something and the kids are kind of confused or or he mentions something and the, and the majority of the class as I'm walking around is seeing is not doing it, I'll just kind of, uh, you know, butt in. I'm just like, hey, Mr. So-and-so, um, did you say this or did you say that? Because I see a lot of kids doing this. And then yeah. he'll, re, you know, and then he'll, so that's kind of how we work in that room. So- so it all just depends. I mean, that's how I've developed the relationships with um, with these teachers. I think one of the biggest things that I'm hearing, not just from you, but other teachers as well, is that every teacher has their own style. And we know that we could easily identify the different types of teachers that are out there. But one teacher going into all those classrooms kind of has to be able to be a chameleon and what does this teacher want? And that might be night and day different than the other. And you're not doing anything wrong in either classroom or in any of your classrooms. You kind of have to adapt. 
And initially they might be really open to one thing and want to change course once they hear what you're doing in others, you know? So, or once they even learn, I can trust her. She's going to be here every day. She's going to show up prepared. She's going to be a valuable team member. I might ask her to do a little more, or I might give her more responsibility or, or whatever as that relationship grows, which is great. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and definitely I would also try to, and I, and also I, uh, one teacher I work with is a new teacher and I think she was a little overwhelmed. This is her first year teaching and she was overwhelmed that there was another teacher coming in, um, to her room. And I said, just so you know, this is, I want to let you know that this is your classroom. You know, I'm in here from this time to this time every day, but don't let someone, uh, intimidate, you know, you need to figure out what type of teacher you are. You need to figure out your teaching voice and it's going to take you time and I'm here for you, but I, you know, and I, but you're going to make the mistakes. I am going to see them. You're going to see them. And I will always be there for you if you, if you want anything, but just so you know, like I'm a teacher coming in, um, to help you. Um, so this, so just, just so you know, this is your room, your behavior management system, your, what you want to do. And if there's anything that's out of place that I'm doing, that's not fitting what you want, you let me know, you know? So now it would be different if we were co-teaching the entire day together, that would be different. But if I'm only in here for 45 minutes, you know, don't expect me to, to know everything that you do, you know, throughout this day and things change as well, um, throughout the year as well. So, um, just know that this is your room. Um, is what I, is what I told her, um, because finding your teaching voice takes a couple of years. And I feel like, um, a lot of times people come in, especially nowadays when there's so many observations going on, or at least in some districts, oh my God, like there's someone in your room once a week or twice a week For observing sure. <laughs> you and then giving you advice on it. And then you, you know, and, and you just don't know your voice anymore. So, um, so that helped a lot in that, in that classroom. I also think even, you know, with that conversation, that's a good starting place and letting them know I'm here to laugh with you when things go yes. crazy. I'm here to give you advice when you want it. I'm mm -hmm. here to reassure you that you're not failing miserably. You know, just all <laughs> you're, you're a partner in it and you're there for all of those roles. I'm not there to judge you. I'm there to help you in whatever way you need. Exactly. Especially for a first year teacher. And that was a lot for me too, because sometimes you forget after teaching for so long, you see, uh, and I think teachers are like the worst critics. I really oh, do. For sure. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I had to even remind myself sometimes, you know, kind of like, wait a second, this is her first year. Calm down. Yeah. You know, like this is just, and we didn't is... know it all when we started either. We don't know it all yeah. now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they, I mean, and gen ed teachers, I, we have a lot to do as well, but they got, I mean, so much to do with grading and data, just things that don't happen in front of the students that, you know, that right. we work, because I work with them, you know, from this time to this time with kids and that's it. And, um, and it, there's not a lot of time to meet, but they have so much to do. So it's just, uh, it's, it's hard. When you're saying that you push in to three classrooms, 
What does that look like as far as the students with disabilities in that classroom and your caseload? Like I'm imagining for me, I have kids in like 10 different classrooms. So I, if I could try or I want to be pushing into all those classrooms, but that feels impossible. How does it work with only three classrooms and seeing your kids? Right. So um, this is what a challenge for me with, I mean, it's, it's a challenge, but um, there are students in the classroom that I, that are direct that I see, um, during the day, like in a small group in my room. Uh-huh. And then there are also students in the classroom that are, uh, inclusion, um, and indirect. So, uh, and those are the students that need less help than the kids that have direct instruction. So um, even though it's really hard to do in the gen ed classroom, I su- the kids that I support less when I'm pushing in to gen ed are the kids that need the most help. <laughs> and the reason why is because those kids that need the most help, I see in a small group in my room every day. Yeah. Um, so I can always address something th- then or in the small group or, or I can just do it that way. So then the kids that are a little higher, um, like the indirect kids or the inclusion kids, those are the ones I'm going to focus with. Um, so that that lightens the load a little bit there. Um, and um, so I think in this one room, I think there's about, let's see, one, two, three. I think there's about seven kids um, that have IEPs. And three of those kids uh, I see in a small group later in the day. So I don't work with those kids in that classroom. I work with the other four kids. Okay. Um, and those four kids, um, it, it all depends. As, and also, I'll help other kids, too, in that room. Definitely. Um, not no. just those kids. And, um, and it's either, it just depends on what they're doing. But I'll, I'll usually walk around the room uh, and then work with those kids. Um, we usually don't sit in a, in a group together. Um, they're kind of spread out throughout cause, uh, she doesn't have assigned seats so they can sit where they want to. Um, and, uh, so I just let them, you know, that's part of her, like, you know, in her room, that's just how she does things. Now, what I do do that helps is I carry around a post-it, um, stack, not a stack, but, you know, just like a thing of post-its and, um, and a pencil. So um, a lot of times if um, they're working on something, I'll, I'll go and work with one student. And if there's something that we just talked about, um, I'll jot it down on the post-it. Or let's say they're writing something and um, they forgot how to spell something. So they sounded it out and I need to move on to the next student. So, you know, I'll just write it on that post-it. And then boom, and then stick it on their desk. And then whatever it is they're working on, they have their own individualized post-it. Um, and then I'll move on to the next um, student. So I always have the, that post-it and that pencil that helps me. So if I can't stay long to work with one student, we can just kind of summarize what we did or, or you know, or scaffold what, he, what they're going to do and, um, and just stick it there and then move on to the next one. That helps out a lot, too. Yeah, even the post-it note could be like a mini anchor chart even. Like here's one example, say for math, and then just keep looking at that one post-it note to help you with what are the steps to do or or whatever. So that's a Mm -hmm. good idea. 
Definitely. Like, let's say it's like six times table. Like, let's say you're just working on sixes. Um, then here are the list of products. You don't have to list them in order or you can or whatever. So then the student now can work on their, uh, sheet and, um, yeah, exactly. Like you were saying. So that's good. It is. Um, so my last question for you, Christy, is just a silly one. And that is, do you have an embarrassing teacher story? Because all of us do things that are humiliating, but do you have anything that you would want to share? That's a what story? An embarrassing teacher story. Oh God. Okay. Yes. (laughs) I think I have a bunch, but there's one that comes to mind. And it was during an observation. Isn't that when all of they all of those of course when it's always <laughs> so well there's a bunch of them, but I the one that just like popped up when you said that was okay, so I was being observed and it was during a math lesson, first grade, <laughs> first grade, uh, and it was an inclusive classroom. Um, and there was uh this was last year, or no, it was two years ago, and um and during that observation, I had, I don't remember, I think it was something like six plus eight or something like that. And we were, and we were learning a, a way to solve that, um, that addition problem. And, um, and I got six plus eight incorrect and I kept, you know, oh, so the sum was incorrect. And so then, um, <laughs> so I had to, the, the, the actual observer had to stop me. Be like, hold on, Miss English, just one second. That's the wrong sum. Oh, <laughs> so my it was so embarrassing. And I'm like, oh gosh. So, but I mean, what was nice was she what she knew it. But here's what I don't like about the observations is they'll take point, you know, points off of that or or for yeah. it just depends on who your observer is. But um, but I got docked on that and I'm like, that's just a human error. So or too, um, like the pressures on none of us yes. are perfect when we're alone with our children, much less when somebody's sitting there with a laptop typing notes or something like, come yes. on, cut me some slack. Exactly. And so, um, so that was, that was really embarrassing. I mean, come on, like six plus eight, like that's just yeah. embarrassing. I so. bet you don't get that wrong now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that would be so embarrassing. Well, thank you, Christy, so much for being here with me tonight. I have absolutely loved chatting with you. You've been in my summer book studies. I knew that you would be a great guest and you've surpassed that expectation. So you're wonderful. And I appreciate you so much for taking the time to be here tonight. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, just keep emailing me. Keep, do you know, just keep doing what you're doing and you got you got a huge fan over here. So, oh, well, so thank, thank you, you for, for you being you. <laughs> thank you. And I'm glad it's making your life easier, whether it's reading or math or whatever it may be. I'm glad that it's helping. Just keep going. Keep going. Oh, I will. <laughs> I will. That gives me a little juice to keep going. So thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. All right. Anytime. Well, you have, <laughs> anytime I need a pep talk, I'm going to call you. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. 
Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the resource room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.